Hey, this is Andrea Ager, and you're listening to the Airborne Mind Show. Hey guys, Ms. Bahawk here. Thank you so much for joining me today and welcome back to the show. So if you love what we've been doing, if you want to support the show, make sure you head over to theairbornemind.com. Check out some of the cool training resources and coaching videos. Um, we've been working on something pretty cool the past couple months. Uh, the website has a new skin, uh, has a new design. It is much friendlier uh, for you to use. It's much faster. Um, so I'm excited to be announcing that. It should be good to go by the time this episode is released. So make sure you go uh, check that out. Browse around on the site. Let me know what you think. Once again, that is theairbornemind.com. So today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. If you head over to theairbornemind.com forward slash reading list, you can see a list of all the books that previous guests have recommended on the show. And if you want, you can also get a 30-day free trial to audible.com and a free audiobook there as well. Um, I'm still on that book, Mastery, by Robert Greene. I'm revisiting different parts. It's a pretty dense book. Recommend you check that one out. Uh, something I would like to get to at some point is actually uh, Julian Pinot had this for, I believe, his book club, either this month or last month, and it's called Moonwalking with Einstein. So that's something I'd like to check out at some point. If you found that discussion on the Memory Palace uh, pretty interesting when he was on the show, I think that book just goes a lot deeper into that. So something worth looking into. Once again, that's theairbornemind.com forward slash reading list. So today we get to chat with Andrea Ager. And I had such a blast having this conversation with Andrea because, you know, we know that she's a stud athlete. She's had some success in CrossFit. Um, but to go beyond that a little bit and get her thoughts on what's been exciting to her in this last year, uh, it was such a pleasure. And we go deep in this episode. What's most fascinating to me is that this is a conversation between two people who technically believe in two different ideologies, who are at two different places in their faith, but aren't really that different at all. And I think the revolving theme here is much needed in a time like today. How can you strongly have a connection to your faith, or maybe no faith, but how can you own that while being tolerant and respectful of other ideologies and religions, right? Uh, why does it feel like identifying with one faith almost feels like we're excluding others who aren't coming from that sect of religion? And I don't, I don't just mean like surface level like being okay with it but deep inside knowing that you're right and you're superior and you're better and having this like judgment and ego get in the way uh, or, or towing that line uh, i mean genuinely being in a state where you are you know cool with what you are doing and you're able to uh, tolerate and respect other people as well so don't shy away from this episode I would say if you know you you read the word faith in the title um, or whatever, if that makes you uncomfortable, I know that's going to happen for a lot of people, and that's totally fine. But uh, stay open to it um, because I think you know what a privilege it was to kind of mind share with her and be able to have a conversation like this because uh, we know not everywhere in the world that you're able to do something like this um, and, and and have such a calm, deep discussion uh, about this topic. So had so much fun. By far, this was maybe the longest conversation that I've had with a guest on and off the air 
in one sitting. Uh, we must have talked for like three hours and continued this dialogue. And so we definitely are probably going to have her back on the show at some point. Um, so yeah, all right, I'll let you get to it. With that being said, please enjoy. Andrea, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. There's so many questions that I have for you, um, but you have so much going on right now. You've got the Agerbaum seminars. You have a chapter of Faith Rx in New York City, and you just seem like you are in a really happy place. So tell me what's kind of been going on with you this whole past year. Okay. So, um, I mean, gosh, this last year is probably the craziest year of my life. Um, I, uh, got an opportunity last year in December to move out to Queens um, in New York City, um, one of the five boroughs. And, man, I had never even thought or pictured myself of doing that. I'm, you know, a SoCal girl at heart. And moving back to Denver, I thought, okay, I'm going to stay in Denver forever. That's where I was born and raised. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, stay here, stay put. And then I got an opportunity to move there to be on a, on a CrossFit Games team that was going to try to – win the CrossFit Games, and they had five people on the team committed, and um, I was, they were looking for the last piece, the last link, and um, I had, I had not, I, I, was, I kept saying no, because I really wanted to pursue individual, um, and then I thought about it, and I had started dating a guy um, that was in New Jersey, which is close to New York, it's about 45 minutes away, and all of that came at the same time, and then I got a job offer, randomly, completely separate from all of this, in Queens only about 10 minutes away from the gym that I would be competing at. And I'm like, I can't believe that all three of these things have happened in the same two weeks. Um, and so, yeah, it, December 15th, I made the choice to move out here. I had two weeks to grab all my stuff and ship it out and find an apartment and move uh, to Queens. And I, I did it by January 1st. And that kind of set me on a totally new adventure that I never really expected I would be on. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you are doing some very awesome things with Faith Rx, and um, you know, I'm really excited to talk to you about that specifically because it's something that lights you up. And I have so many questions. But when you were growing up, um, was Faith a big part of your life? Yes, it was. And I grew up Catholic, and so any of those uh, believers out there that grew up Catholic, I mean, you just you know the walk. It's very obedient. It's very personal. Your faith is very personal to you. Um, for me, I didn't really talk much about my faith. I just said, "Yep, I'm a Christian or I'm Catholic." Um, but I was, uh, but I was used to singing old school hymns and um, going to confession. And uh, I got confirmed when I was 15, which was a huge part of me just uh, committing to the church and saying, "Like, yes, I, I accept." That, um, that I want to do this as an adult, too, because um, when you're Catholic, you're baptized as a child. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a really good experience. I ended up leading my sisters in their confirmations, and so I was somewhat on staff with the leadership team when I was in high school. Um, and then when I was in college, a lot of people stopped going to church when they're in college. I mean, you get a chance to choose at that time whether you're going to keep going or not, and, um, and I chose to go. And um, so I went most Sundays by myself and met a few good believers that um, that we were able to kind of sharpen each other in college, but we were really lost. Like, when I look back at that, and like, we were totally guessing. We didn't have a lot of leadership um, outside of just us being college kids, and I think that's really important is to have, like, um, a mentor of some sort that can kind of help you show, help show you the way, and, um, and so I, through college, you know, I guess I 
kind of went into the world and found my own, you know, life and what I wanted. And I, I kind of struggled a lot on, mm-hmm. you know, I had the same morals and values, but it was really hard to live those out in a college setting. Um, and uh, I guess I just lived a normal college lifestyle and I didn't stand out at all. I, I, I would say that's my biggest regret, not standing out uh, for what I believed in, um, in that stage of my life. I think I had like comparison values. Like I'd say, oh, well, I'm not doing that or I'm not as bad as this person that's drinking this amount or doing this X, Y, and Z, right? So I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. But I wasn't really, you know, walking with Christ or walking with God, I guess we call it, where it's like, it's, it's obvious that you've made a choice and you have I think I didn't know anything about that. And I was kind of, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was wondering, I guess. I was searching. Anyways, after college, I moved, um, to California and pursued my dreams in CrossFit and uh, made it to the CrossFit Games in 2011 and pursued an individual career after that in 12, 13, and 14. Um, and then finally, when I moved back to Colorado, um, I met a woman named Becky Koppelman. And, you know, I, I don't believe at all that it was a coincidence. I believe it was a divine intervention that was known um, that it was going to happen thousands of years ago that we would meet and um, she would help me kind of realize my purpose in, in the CrossFit world, and that was to um, be open about my faith and to um, have confidence to share and to help other people grow in their faith if that's what they want to do. And so um, she helped disciple me, which is a fancy word for mentoring me in my faith, and she led me and my sister through some Bible studies um, in Colorado for two and a half years, and it just was a, a huge deal when I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to move to New York City. (laughs) Um, You know, it was wild to kind of of put that to an abrupt end. Um, I would say we still chat a lot, and she still mentors me, absolutely, but it's different now that we're remote. And so uh, while I lived at home, I started getting involved in FaithRx. She uh, is the co-founder of it. Um, Her story is really cool. She um, has been a five-time CrossFit Games athlete, and I've looked up to her for years. She's much older. She's 46, so our relationship doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. She's 17 years older than me. She's closer to my mother's age than mine, Um, and it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed to have an example of a healthy marriage um, where they center their, their lives around um, you know, serving God and, and loving Him and reading His Word and um, making their choices through what the Bible says and um, and raising their kids in that way. And she just, she just took me along. She never made it this official, oh, you are hereby, blah, blah, blah. She just was like, hey, I'm, you know, following this, this faith. Like, let's go. Like, let's do it together. Like, um, it's fun. It can be a blast. And um, she showed me what Faith Rex is, which basically it's just a place where people can grow in their faith. And she put me on the HQ staff almost immediately um, for that. And she, she, there's these camps, and these camps we teach three times a year. They're Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's a retreat-like format. So a retreat is like somewhere where you can go and grow in your faith and stop your life for a second and kind of go, hey, let's venture into this without the day-to-day crap of emails and texts I usually have to deal with. And so... People come for three days, and um, we I teach gymnastics, and our friend Spencer Arnold teaches the snatch um, and Olympic lifts, and um, Guido Trinidad teaches a lot of uh, rowing kettlebells and and um, and and um, and running uh, technique as well. And we merge the whole camp into basically how do you merge your CrossFit with your and your fitness with your faith? Mm-hmm. How do you do both? How do you let God into your most intimate like parts of your life that maybe you only let God in on your life on Sundays 
here I am at the CrossFit Games praying to God and hoping that he'll give me some strength so that I can hit a war at max, you know? Right. Um, how do I let God into my finances? How do I let God into all of my choices in my life, not just um, worshiping him um, for one hour a day, uh, one day a week? So it's been a really, really cool thing to not only learn those concepts, but to teach them to anyone that attends these camps. Um, the camps are called Iron Sharpens Iron, um, where people get to meet people out of their region. People fly from all over the world to come. Um, we just taught one this last weekend. I'm just fresh off one in Sacramento, California. And um, there are 60 people there. There are people from Barbados Islands. There are people from um, Canada and uh, East Coast, West Coast, Middle of America. And so it was really cool to just serve these people and just love on them exactly where they're at. Everyone's at a different spot in their faith. Um, that's the coolest thing is I think the, the concept of faith and fitness, like both have the theme of come as you are. Come as you are. You don't have to have any kind of, you know, prerequisite fitness to walk into a gym and start CrossFit. We say we are going to love you right where you're at. Your coaches are going to accept you when you walk into the CrossFit gym and go, hey, we want to optimize this. We want you to get better from right where you are, and we just want to help. And that's the same motto as the church, is come as you are. It's like you don't need to have Bible verses memorized or be a certain religion or have a faith background of 10 years experience. We want to love you right now. So you walk in and you're part of the family and we just want to get to know you. And so um, that's been a really cool thing to realize that there's so yeah, what you said there, that that is so key, I think, because, um, you know, uh, CrossFitters have a great way of being able to welcome people into a community with no judgment and, uh, you know, in a very non-threatening way. And this is something that Becky seems to have done a phenomenal job with, and, and you as well, but you guys are able to spark a conversation around this. Uh, you know, religion and faith is a topic that does make, you know, it, it makes people a little bit uncomfortable at first, but you're able to do this in a way where you're like, hey, there's no judgment here. There's no, you know, this is not threatening in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, you know, what I've been thinking about is like, maybe why people are so um, hesitant, you know, uh, to talk about some of this stuff is because there's, you know, there's a story that we've held on to about what religion and faith are supposed to be, you know, instead of actually, you know, figuring out a true way to make it relevant for yourself. And if you're, you know, if you're not writing that story for yourself and you're not, you know, going on that uh, discovery process, you feel, you know, you feel scared. And, and we talked a little bit about this, um, you know, beforehand, we'll dig into uh, some of the stuff that people have sent you. Um, but tell me a little bit about what comes up for you and what you think about that. Why do you think that it's such a hard topic to get into? It is. It is. Okay, I would say the first thing um, is that people think I'm trying to, the C word, convert them. Right. That's the first thing that's hard is they're like, they think that I'm like, have one motive, and that motive is so ulter ulterior. Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, ulterior motive, where it's like, that's all I want is to, like, as if they're just stuck sitting on a pond, and I'm like... <laughs> And I'm just trying to, like, get everybody, uh, you know, get every single person I can. And it's like, that's actually not <laughs> um, my motive at all. And so when people, um, you know, when we say the words, like, share your faith, when we say that phrase, um, you know, it's like my, my idea is that many people will have missionaries in their life 
um, that come to them and um, either help them grow their faith or give them an option whether to choose um, if they want faith in their life or not. And I think a lot of times people's first missionaries in their life are their parents. And, and sometimes their parents are like, hey, this is the way we grow up. This is what we do. We go to church on Sundays. They don't really have an option. And maybe you can rebel against that. But that's their first kind of taste if their parents do believe. Um, and then, you know, we have friends that interact or communities that we get involved in that maybe some people invite you to church. That could be a next one. But I'm at the point where even I even talk to people on when I get Ubers and stuff. Like, why not? I'm like, hey, where are you at? Like, let's talk about it. Um, I guess the theme of, of my life is, like, I have decided and the I have decided is just like, hey, I'm, I'm not, on, I'm not um, toeing the line anymore. And I think a lot of my life I was stuck there. Mm-hmm. And it's been a freeing, freeing feeling to just go, hey, I'm owning this. I am owning this, and there's no going back. Like one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, um, I think it's John 66 or something like that. And um, I feel bad if I'm quoting it wrong, but basically he's talking to the disciples, Jesus is, and um, he's basically saying, like, where are you guys going to go after I am crucified? Like, what, you know, where are you going to go after if I'm not here anymore? And they say, where else would we go? Like, and, and they say, where else would we go? Because they're saying, we already know you, Christ. We already know who you are. We know that you're the Messiah. We know that you came to save our sins. We can't go back now. Like, we're, we're stuck here. We can't unknow you. We can't just go back in time and and not know who you are. And so I think of it that way. It's like now that I have this um, this foundation, I'd say, this base of a faith, I can't unknow who God is. I can't, I can't go back and go, I'm choosing not to have decided. <laughs> I'm so far into it. Right. And I guess I'm just trying to, if people want to grow in their faith and they want to get there, I'm like, hey, there's a lot of steps. Let's go for them. Let me teach you how to pray. Let me teach you how to read the Bible. Let me teach you all these confusing parts of being a believer and what they are, and um, let's walk together. It's not about, hey, here's the steps, see you later. It's like, hey, like, come over to my house. Let's drink tea and talk about life. Let's see where you're at. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I would say um, that's kind of a hard thing is people think I'm, you know, trying to convert them, and I would say um, I just love to get to know people, and I, I want to I hear people's hearts. But I realize that hearing people's hearts is um, it's, uh, it's not a pri- – or it is a privilege. It's not – it's not something that you get to know out of everybody. But for me, when I've, I've gotten to break down some barriers and they've broken um, I know that it is a privilege to hear people and, and, and their, you know, their, their vulnerable parts of their life, right? That's their, like, intimate, like, um, you know, they've broken down their guard a little bit and they're able to tell you what they really think about stuff. And I, and I really do look forward to that in friendship. And um, for me, I'm the kind of person where like, oh, you want to do a, a set of back squats? Well, in between back squats, I really don't want to talk about back squats. I want to talk about like, hey, how's your life going? Mm-hmm. Like, how's your, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend? Like, you know, do you like your job? Do you, what are your goals? Like, what do you want out of this life life's short like let's go you know yeah <laughs> and so i guess that um a barrier i guess another barrier too would just be that people are they feel unequipped um in their own faith and so i would uh, i would um put a parallel to the guy that when you talk about your fitness let's say you see someone and you meet someone and they say oh you do crossfit yeah and they won't tell you what they do to work out oh i just go to the gym i don't i don't know what i do i i don't really want to talk about it because they don't really know how to explain it and they don't really feel equipped to explain what they do because they're like uncomfortable in the gym 
And you're like, wait, you go to a gym and you work out? Like, what do you do there? And you know, you're just trying to get to know them. And they're like, oh, uh, I just do things. Like, that's how crossfitters right. say, oh, I do gymnastics and powerlifting. And I, you know, take classes at a gym. They're equipped to explain what they do. Um, as, a, as a Christian that feels equipped, all of a sudden you can go from, uh, I don't really know what I believe, to here's what I believe. And you're very, it's very easy to talk about once you can be equipped on, on, on really having that true understanding of what you believe. So, Yeah, so you, you know, there's this um, James Altucher. He's this guy who, you know, he's an investor and he's started over 20 businesses. And he has a wonderful podcast, interviews some very cool people. And he wrote a blog post the other day that was like, you know, four key, like, characteristics or traits of like successful businessmen or something like that right and um pretty much what happened was all four of these characteristics were from some type of uh, i think they were from the bible maybe right but like he didn't say that he didn't um he didn't include that in there and it seemed to have resonated with a lot of people and he made the point that you know if he was to uh, attach it to some type of faith or to some type of uh, religion it would steer away a significant amount of people because there's this trigger that just kind of happens like you have this story that you've held on to and it comes back for you every time like that comes up so i found that really interesting is like these are all these characteristics by the way are like themes right they're like bigger picture things mm -hmm. that regardless of what faith you follow whether or you know maybe you don't um you don't believe in anything but these are still themes that you can apply like being kind right being thankful being gracious uh respecting yourself being able to respect others like these things mm -hmm. all kind of overlap and i feel like um when you try to dig into the details too fast and too hard and too all at once just like anything it's like trying to you know count all your macros but doing that with like <laughs> like without any healthy food you know what i mean yeah. so um what's your experience been with that like have you uh do you guys really emphasize some of those like bigger qualities i guess is that part of the overall message of faith rx yes and i totally understand what you're talking about where identifying with one faith, it almost seems like we are excluding others that, that don't, um, aren't coming from that sect of religion. And I, and I know that that's a barrier. And I know, honestly, we are, we are, um, I forget what it's called. It's called inter, we are interfaith, I believe uh -huh. is what it's called, where we accept anyone. We're not like, you know, Pentecostal or Catholic or blah, blah, blah. It's just anyone that has this faith, right? And we've had actually many um, Muslim women and Jewish women and men and women actually um, come to many chapters and, and even these big camps um, because for them, they, they like to celebrate their faith and they've, they've gotten a connection with fitness. And so for them, they, they can honestly grab and choose what they want from the lectures and it can impact their own hearts in, in that specific way, whereas not feeling like they're you know, only allowed to believe this certain way from this book, right? And that's been the cool thing is to get the, some of the people from different religions, you know, into our chapters and getting to hang out with them and get to know them. And honestly, I've been inspired many times by women of the Muslim faith and women of the Jewish faith because they, um, a lot of them that are very orthodox, they, they've put in a lot of discipline in their life and obedience that I'll never even know the beginning of. I'll never even understand what it was like to make those sacrifices and to live set apart like they have. And so for me, um, it's really inspiring. The, 
the ideas of faith instead of, you know, actually saying it has to do with a certain God. Um, I would say that would be a really good idea. If <laughs> people can master that, um, I would say, yes, do it. Um, all of my, I guess it makes it much easier for me to say that my role model is Jesus because he came to this earth and lived a perfect life, and um, anything he would have done, I want to do, and anything that he would not have done, I don't want to do. And for me, that makes it very, very simple. It's like, okay, giving to the poor, loving people that were unworthy of love, you know, sinners, you know, uh, prostitutes, beggars, uh, you know, tax collectors. He loved those people. He shared meals with them. He he loved them right where they're at, and he didn't expect anything from them. He didn't like the religious that thought they were everything and that they were the best and that they knew everything. He didn't like them. Um, and so for us, it makes us very humble and saying, we don't know everything. We don't know, you know, every, you know we're not um, worthy or righteous or above everyone. We're right level with every single high or low person. So, um, you know, he was loving. He was giving. Um, he served others. He served people, um, no matter what the cost. He gave his time, um, and he was, and he spoke very, very wisely. And he had great discernment. He made decisions um, with, you know, after thinking like, a long time after things, instead of just being sporadic. And um, a lot of things I can look at and go, you know what? I want to be like that. I want to make wise decisions. I want to be able to speak to people in a way that can move them. And I want to be able to learn more about him and who he was. And so for me, it is very, um, I do change the way I talk depending on who I'm talking to because I want to be appropriate and I want to be, gen I want to be gentle. And um, I don't want to come off too, um, it's been hard for me to learn that too, how to talk to different people depending on where they're at because it, it, it is, there is an appropriate setting for for different, uh, different conversations. And that's the cool thing, is it's, it's just using discernment and being wise about how you use your voice and how you use your mouth. And so, um, and so yeah, I guess uh, for some people that um, are not believers, but they're interested, I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I won't ask them to come to church and to make them seem like that's the only option. Maybe getting to know them would be more appropriate. Um, if I know that they're atheists and they will not come to church, I absolutely will just listen. Because I can be a good listener, and I think that's really important, too. I'm not going to try to, like, debate with people. Right. I don't go, oh, well, you said this, and I'm saying this, and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, although I am analytical, I'm not that person that can win battles and, and not emote, take it to heart, you know? So I'm like, okay, like, um, <laughs> I'm not a pastor, <laughs> and, and I don't pretend to be. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I guess that was, like, a long version of just saying um, it is very hard to decide um, – you know, what, what, uh, what place to come from when you talk to people. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it, it's, um, it's a hard thing to talk about and it's, it's definitely, there is an art to being, I think, tolerant and being respectful. And when you have people who come mm. from that type of mindset, um, where, you know, we are the best and like, this is the only way, like my way or the highway. Um, you know, it, it I, I don't know if that is even, stemming from truly being a you know a religious thing it's it's more of like just a mindset type of thing like how you're kind of viewing things you're not seeing it through mm. you know a clear lens in a sense um but okay so i want to ask you about something that i think is kind of very relevant right now in our country and i want to know like what is the framework or the thought process for you behind you know you having a strong connection with your faith 
but at the same time being able to respect and accept other people's faiths. We touched on that a little bit, but like me and you can mm-hmm. sit here, right? And and I'm Muslim mm-hmm. and, and you're not, but we can have a normal deep conversation about this. Um, but not it, it that that doesn't happen everywhere, right? Especially in other parts of the world, it's right. unheard of. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. how do you find that balance, right? Without falling into the trap of like, being judgmental and being like, I'm right, you're wrong. You know what I mean? And and kind of sitting back and mm. just kind of listening, you know, and, and having that tolerance and that respect. Mm. I think it is beautiful that we can have this conversation. And I'm, I'm sure that it comes from your girlfriend being Christian mm-hmm. and you guys being able to have these conversations in a healthy, in a healthy way without having to be the one right way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the really cool thing. And I'm sure that's where it comes from because I think it takes practice to be able to, um, discuss, you know, in a, you know, with a, with not a, uh, it's right. Um, and, uh, I, I would just say just with the way the world is, like I, I kind of mentioned this to you earlier, but with politics, um, online, I had to really make a choice that, um, during the political season, which was, seemed like it was a decade, but really it was just like two years, um, of just choosing a new president. I, I did have some opinions, and I would say I'm more in the middle than on one side or not. And I really had to decide if I make any kind of Facebook post or or retweet an article or be on a side, it is going to make it clear to people I'm on one side, and people are going to judge me or 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 choose to say things or be hateful or you know you know just it's going to cause some division. And actually, like if I do that it's not going to point people to God. It's not. It's going to point people to who's right or wrong and which side I'm on, and they're going to label me. And I, I think that with politics and religion, it's a, it's kind of a don't talk about either. Right. And I've clearly already chosen one, and that is to talk about religion. And so for me, I have to just um, bite my tongue and not talk about politics at all because I don't want to cause any division, and I don't want to be the person that steps in front of someone growing in their faith because they think that I'm on the opposite side as them. And so that's been something that's been really humbling to kind of realize and to kind of um, not pay attention to is, is when I look at politics and stuff like that, I have to kind of go, all right, okay, um, you don't get to say anything and, um, you know, you just need to just love. Yeah. You need to love both sides and you need to love, you know, everyone that's uh, opinionated or not, no matter what the, what's going on in the world. And um, the the thing is, at the end of the day, once if you if you have a strong faith, um, you're asked to um, really focus on your God or your religion or your faith. You're asked to do that because if we focus on the world, we're going to chase the world, and if we focus the world, we're going to become of the world. And mm-hmm. we're not we're not supposed to we're supposed to be living in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be of you know this kingdom that we're looking forward to being in someday. And so um, my favorite phrase is. Um, glance at circumstance and gaze at God. So it's like, okay, I'm glancing at this crappy situation I'm in or the world is in or my family is in or my career is in and I'm just gazing at the the focus of God, the focus of something that's never going to change and is so, so amazing and it's so, I'm so, you know, lucky to be able to worship and praise uh, our creator, that, that feeling. Um, and that helps me be positive. That helps me be gracious. That helps me be, no matter what my circumstances, happy to be where I am, even if my circumstance is not ideal, which has been happened plenty of times in my life where my circumstance is not ideal. <laughs> right. And it's, um, I think it's also like reaching a, a really like a true state of 
enlightenment, right? It's like when you're kind of just, let's say, maybe 75% of the way there, uh, you might be, you know, getting caught up in arguments and debates and things like that. But I feel like when you actually do experience that, you know, maybe it's a state, a state of consciousness or awareness, uh, you're able to kind of focus on yourself more than anything. And uh, you just, you're not wired to think that way. You know, the way that everybody else thinks that like, hey, they're out to get me. They're trying to get me to convert or do X, Y, and Z. Like, that's just not how you're wired and that's just not how you're thinking at that point. And I guess it's just being able yeah. to communicate that and, and meeting meeting people uh, wherever they are to kind of um, be like, hey, it's okay, you know? Um, very cool. Okay. So, and something else actually I think is really important um, especially in today's day and age, is to kind of lead by example, which is what you are doing, which is what Becky's doing, and, and everybody else who's involved in this is, you know, you're not forcing anybody to digest any of this stuff because you can't, you know? Mm. It's one of those things, like, you right. can't yeah. make somebody do that. Like, whenever they're ready, like, it, it's going to happen, you know? But all you can do is kind of plant the seed. All you can do is uh, lead an example because when we think of faith, everybody has that different story in their head of what it originally means to them. Like, for example, when we think of somebody who is, you know, Muslim to somebody, what comes up for them right then and there is some somebody in the Middle East who's going around, like, blowing up things, right? But when they meet somebody... Oh, my God! Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm being very exaggerated here, but... <laughs> yeah! Um, but, like... I know! That's so crazy! That's what our world has come to, right? Right. But when you meet somebody who is just a normal person, like, I'm Muslim, and I, I wouldn't say that, like... Uh, I, I'm super religious, but like I do, you know, like to hold on to my faith and there's certain customs and beliefs that I hold on to. Um, but when you meet somebody like that, who's just living day to day life, just like you are, it kind of makes you think a little bit more, right? Like, whoa, this person is normal, but he is also Muslim. Like maybe what I'm connecting the two, you know, uh, these two viewpoints mm. to, maybe that's not right, you know? Yeah, that is really cool. That is cool. That kind of reminds me of a situation. It's just like, um, like, I have a, a girlfriend that um, that I know through CrossFit. She's a CrossFit Games competitor, and we're great friends. And I would say she has some backgrounds of being hurt by the church and just has a lot of hurt in her past. And I, I uh, have always really been thankful for any time she kind of opened up because I know she has a lot of guards up, and I would never want her to think that I'm judging her or that I have an opinion about the things she's been through or, you know, and I just, like, um, I have, like, a really big heart for her, honestly. And... Um, but she is she's she's made it very clear that she doesn't have any um interest of the like the faith thing or the converted thing. She doesn't want to be involved in that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of developed an understanding of like, well, this is who I am and she likes me. She's my friend. We're good friends. We spend a lot of time together. So she I can I can talk about faith without um, because I still want her to get to know who I am, right? right. And, and I want to get to know her. So I can talk about it without having to go, you have to believe a certain way. And something that we chatted about the other day, which was so beautiful, is that um, my birthday is coming up this week. I know that sounds really random, <laughs> that I'm that, but <laughs> it's this Thursday. And I have a Bible study um, on Thursdays. And she was like, oh, what are you doing for your birthday? I'm like, oh, the cool thing is, is um, I'm going through this book called Colossians in the, in the Bible um, with, these, with these a few girls, five girls I know. And we do it on Thursdays. And my birthday came up, and they were thinking, oh, like, you're not going to want to do this on your birthday. You're going to want to do something more fun. I'm like, what? 
I'm like, no, we're having the Bible study. I'm like, this is my favorite thing to do. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, we're going to be meeting in my living room, hanging out, talking about this, you know. I wouldn't rather be in any other place. So, um, anyways, my son was like, oh, what are you doing for your birthday? And I'm like, oh, you know, let's train in the morning. I'm making plans with her. And um, she's like, oh, cool. So then she asked about that that evening. I told her I was in the Bible study, and she's like, oh, really? And she's like, it seems kind of boring. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, it's awesome. So, I kind of was just able to share with her, like, why I think it's awesome, right? And it's a normal conversation. It doesn't have to be any, like, intense thing. But I was like, I'm learning right now about Colossians, which is a book that talks about this guy who his name was Paul, and he was, like, a Christian murderer. Like, he was a bad guy, like, super bad. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the Bible, God totally changed his heart and developed him into this, like, follower of Christ and completely changed his ways. And so his name was Paul. He then changed his name from Saul to Paul. And um, then he basically spread the good news and talked to churches and whatever and had a really awesome life and conversion story. But he was put into jail and prison many times because he was sharing the gospel, the good news. And he basically is writing all these books in the Bible to people in different um, churches all over the world. And he's writing to them from prison, telling them how amazing faith is and how fulfilling faith can be. And I'm like okay, his circumstance was horrible, and how amazing is it that he's going through all this, talking about the power and the strength that you can have in your faith. And so, I mean, the the verse in Philippians that says, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I think it gets misused a lot because people think it means I can do uh, pursue my dreams and do all these amazing things for the Lord, blah, blah, blah. They think it means I have no limits because I have a God that's strong. And that's actually not what it means. It's coming from Paul, who is in a prison at the time, and it means I can do all things even when they're hard and they're not ideal and they're trials and hardships. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, he's there with me, and that's all I need, not, oh, I can do anything I desire because I have um, this unlimitedness, um, unlimitedness of power. And so I was basically just kind of having that conversation with her, and she was like, oh, I get it, like, you know, even when things are hard, you can do it because you have this, like, um, strength that's bigger than yourself. I'm like, yeah. So we all got to have this awesome conversation, and it didn't didn't need to go anywhere else past that. It didn't need to go with, oh, can you come to church with me? Right. It was just like, hey, like, we're getting to know each other, right? And I'm learning something, and she ended up sharing things that she's learning on a podcast that she loves, and, um, you know, we just had this really healthy conversation about it. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of answer your question. It's just like, how can we do that? How can we have these uh, healthier relationships mm-hmm. with people? You know, it's a it's a skill. You know, it really is a skill to be able to, I think, listen to somebody and be able to accept and understand um, without without that judgment. And it's something that takes a lot of practice. And maybe you know, a lot of times we haven't grown up with that, or we've fallen out of that, or we've experienced a different pattern. But uh, to be able to do that is, is such a an admirable thing. You know, um, cool. So. Let's see here. Um, I want to dig into that, uh, what you mentioned about, um, you know, being hurt by the church, right? You were, you've had people, because essentially when I hear that, what I think is like somebody had a story in their head about what religion meant to them. And and they had a trigger that comes up every time we talk about it. That's kind of hurtful, right? That makes them feel like they're shrinking. They don't want to go towards that. It's uncomfortable. Um, some things that you wrote in, uh, I think the finding Friday night truth, you opened up on Instagram. You were like, Hey, anybody who wants to talk about their faith, you can DM me. 
And, you know, you had a bunch of responses and some of them, like two of them were, I have strayed away from God and now I don't feel worthy of coming back. And then another one was, I've messed up too much and I don't think I'm good enough for church. And if we just take two, you know, a look at those two examples, like how do you, how do you even begin to uh, address that or, or, you know, be like, hey, it's all good. You know, like what is that process when somebody comes to you and they express something like that to you? Oh, I mean, this this is a really cool topic because um, I started that Friday Night Truth thing about a year and a half ago, and um, basically, I mean, just to give a little background, I was I wanted to be able to use my my reach and my um, my uh, my reach in CrossFit or or, or a social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I have about three hundred thousand followers on Instagram and about probably 100 followers through Facebooks and Twitter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've always felt like, well, what is, why did God give me this platform? What is this for? Is it just so that I can show people that I like to work out? Probably not. I probably need to have a bigger responsibility than just that, and it could be to change people's lives, right? And I, and I started realizing, well, what am I going to do with that? And, um, and I thought, okay, what if I made myself available for people that really want to talk um, and actually, it's been it's been a really amazing, and it's helped me grow in my faith as well. Is that um, I started on Friday nights, just going, "Hey, here's a topic, a faith topic. Um, I'm going to be available from eight to ten p.m. DM me, direct message me. Um, I'll be around." And honestly, the first time I ever did it, I felt so vulnerable and uncool that I was showing people that I had nothing to do on a Friday night and I was available. Like, I'm not <laughs> cool enough to, like, be too busy for them, right? I'm like, oh, I have time. And I was so embarrassed by that that I, I put out the post. I went to take a shower. And by the time I had come back out of the shower, I thought, I'm going to delete that thing. No one's going to write me. I don't want people to know that I'm sitting in a hotel room by myself um, before traveling to do a, a seminar. And I have you know, nothing to do, and I'm lonely, like, I, that's embarrassing. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what, I don't want to be that vulnerable anymore. So I, I was going to delete it, and there was already three people that had written. And I'm like, all right, so so I'll just write them back really quick, and then I'll delete it. And then I'm like, and then I start talking to them, and an hour goes by, and there's like 15 people that had written in, and I couldn't keep up with all of them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I was five Eager Bombs, not this one. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, I wish that I had more hands. Um and actually, eventually, I've done it about once a month or once every two months for the last year and a half, and I have had more people help me. I have had a pastor jump on and help me with it. Becky has helped me remotely. Like, she's logged on and, and helped me with answering questions, and she just says, hey, this is Becky, but I also have an answer, and blah, blah, blah. And um, my boyfriend, actually, how we started dating is he was helping me answer those questions and really reaching out and talking to the boys because I started realizing that one of the boys – like, you know, there's girls and guys that write in. And I think that as a woman, I can only help the guys with so much until I realize that it might be more helpful for them to talk to a man, right? And so there was one man that said, um, hey, I, I'm raising two twin girls. They're seven. Um, I, I find that I, I have a big responsibility and I want them to have faith. However, I don't believe. So I don't go to church, but I want that for them. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what, like, what is right for that situation, and I need help. Like, you know, and I'm like, wow, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, this guy, like, definitely, like, I have some strong guy friends, like Dan Bailey and Cole Sager that would be awesome if they, you know, also did this with me, and Cole has jumped on and done it with me as well, and it's been amazing to see that 
response of guys that are willing to answer these questions and um, get involved with these people right there, right that night. Like, like you know, it's not just through a blog or a podcast. It's like it's it's they're answering real time. And so, anyways, um, I've seen that 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 uh, that about people saying, "Oh, I've been, you know, I feel like I'm not worthy." And that's the theme of, I'd say, most people's response. Because first of all, Friday night is a night where you should be in in society. You should be doing something. You should be up to something fun. You should be involved in something. And you might not be. And that might make you feel uncool or vulnerable or alone. And um, and so you're already in a state of, well, what is the rest of the world doing? Let's see. And then if you're wondering, man, I wonder if there's a God. I wonder if there's anything more in this life. I wonder if I have a purpose. And someone makes a post like that. It's still vulnerable to open yourself up for um, uh, rejection, uh, to just write into a stranger about a question that's been burning on your heart. That alone is a, you're outreaching, you know. And the last time I did this, there was over 150 responses. Oh, my gosh. And me and a group, uh, me and a group full of believers couldn't even answer people up until 2 a.m. when we stopped. So I've you know, really question, what is the next platform for that? Because I just simply can't keep up with this amount of time and people that it takes to get to these people. And so I'm like, what is the next platform? What is the next answer um, to get on and, and just talk to these people? But there's one girl that stood out to me, and um, she felt really lonely, and she kind of opened up and said that she was having these dark feelings about, um, gosh, I'm going to cry. But she she was admitting that she was, like, that she has been suicidal before and that she just really doesn't think this life is, like, worth living um, and that she worries about a lot of stuff and struggles from anxiety and things like that. Um, but we were able to just chat all night, and at the end of it, I said, hey, if you ever want to meet up, we have a camp, an Iron Sharpens Iron camp coming up in a few months. It's kind of where, close to where you are. She ended up coming. She never told me she was going to come. She never told me she was going to take an airline ticket, like, take a flight to this camp. She showed up, didn't tell me she was there, didn't write me again, and she ended up admitting to her group when we were in small groups, which was like groups of eight or nine people that end up getting to know each other, and she ended up admitting to them that I was the reason why she was there and that she was actually going to kill herself that night, that she reached out and that that was the only reason why she's still alive. And she just talked about how thankful she was for having a second chance and truly believing that there is a God that loves her no matter her thoughts or doubts in faith, like there's someone that's out there that really truly created her and has a purpose for her life and she's not alone. And that was like the most amazing story I've ever heard. And even the thought, you know, sometimes people would say, oh, you did that or you were the person that came and got in between her and her choosing death, right? Um, but it really wasn't me. It was God. And I know that. I have a strong conviction that God used me as a vessel to intervene and be a part of her life, but it was totally God putting me in her path and having her have the strength to reach out um, that prevented that. And honestly, it's like it makes me feel like a burden in my heart to do something. Um, and me living a life of just keeping my faith to myself or not answering these questions or not giving people an avenue to reach out feels like a very selfish um, life now that I've gotten to experience some of these things. And I can't stop. I can't go back. You know, I can't just like, okay, you know, maybe this faith thing isn't for me and it's not for everyone. So I should just, 
no, it's like, this is saving people, like right where they're at. And, um, you know, those people that have those worries and doubts and think, I'm not worthy of going to church or being loved by a God that will never change his mind. You're wrong. You're wrong. You are worthy. And the fact of the matter is, is that like, we, you know, everyone believes something different. And the, what I believe is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And what does that mean? It means that he had each and every one of us in mind when he chose death and when God made him take that sacrifice and that punishment for us. And because of that, we can have a relationship with God. We can have this back and forth relationship that's daily and real. And at the end of our lives, if we choose to decide, we can spend eternity with God. And that's, that's what heaven is. And, um, and I do truly believe that. And I've seen it completely change people's lives when they convince themselves that they have someone that loves them no matter what they've done. So it's, it's really, I mean, this is deep, right? Like we're in yeah. the deep in the thick of it, but, but the fact is it's just like, it's a beautiful thing and it should be celebrated and it should be, it should be talked about and it should be respected. And, um, it's been amazing to see people change their worlds, you know, everything they ever believed or thought or were ashamed of. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is so powerful because you never, you don't think about, you know, a situation like that coming to the top of your head. Um, you know, when we think of what faith could do for somebody and, um, I, I really like what you said about that theme. Like the common theme was that, uh, out of all these responses that you were getting, that people didn't feel worthy. They were really judging themselves and, and not being forgiving with themselves. And, um, you know, yeah. that, that I think that's a really powerful message in and of itself, because you can, that can be applied to, you know, any faith and to, I think anybody in any situation, it's just, um, it, it's a really powerful message. So I want to switch gears just a little bit. And uh, this is actually kind of related, I guess. But I heard you talk about, um, you know, your your mom and you moving around when you were, I think, in SoCal. And how it was, I think this was on the Beyond the Barbell podcast. Um, and, and she was, mm. you know, uncomfortable at first. And uh, I, want, I, w I want to talk about that fear a little bit. Because you mentioned that, you know, she had fear and, and you, she wanted you to stay in Colorado and, and uh, you know you were moving around and competing and doing all this stuff like how did how did you deal with that you know what 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 kind of came up for you yeah and I guess I was just talking about a leap of faith and how scary that is for someone to follow their dreams and do things that are out of the normal right. you know and how most people don't think they're worthy of their dreams and um, yeah my mom's really awesome she's I mean everybody loves their mom right but yeah. um they, she, she's very, um, I mentioned early on in the podcast that like she cleans houses and my dad um, does a lot of construction. So what that does is it keeps them confined to where they live. And um, she's never traveled before. She's never been outside of other than just like driving up to Nebraska when she was a kid and staying in Colorado. She's never been anywhere. Um, and uh, she, she just was always afraid of, you know, going around and traveling and, and just even just, she always thought that's a life for someone else. That's not a life for me. Like, that's stuff other people do, like go to Europe and go to extreme places and see different things. Like, that's for someone else. That's not for me. And um, when, I, when they had me, and I was obviously totally different, that, like, freaked them out. They're like, who is this child? Like, what did you get that? <laughs> and um, I've been able to teach in, um, on, on uh, five different continents in six different countries and um, in 30 different states. 
um, in the U.S. And so I've gone to travel and teach for CrossFit the Eager Bomb seminars that I teach. And so each time I go, they're, like, freaked out by it. They're like, but you're going to let someone pick you up in Mexico um, that you don't know, who are strangers that own a CrossFit gym, but they're just going to pick you up from the airport and they're <laughs> going to take you to their gym and you're going to sleep on the couch. They're like, no, like they're just totally freaked out by it. I'm like, guys, it's okay. CrossFitters are usually really cool. <laughs> um, and that's actually, I've found more hospitality in the CrossFit community than I ever imagined. Um, but yeah, I guess I was just talking about people that take a leap of faith and how scary that can be. And, um, how we, you know, when I first uh, moved to California to pursue the CrossFit Games and my dreams of becoming a, a California competitor, um, I was I was uh, stuck in a restaurant job, not going anywhere, but paying off student paying off student loans, and just wasn't able to make the next step happen. And um, I, there ended up being a guy one day that asked me, so. Uh, he came in, and I was working by myself, and honestly, I hated my restaurant job, and I wasn't very good at it anyways, and um, he ended up saying, so what are your dreams? And I was, like, so thrown off by this guy that came in that's asking my dreams. My parents don't even ask me what my dreams are, and this <laughs> random person is that I feel, like, so thrown off by, and I ended up saying, I really want to move to California, um, and, and I said, I, I love the, the girls that compete out there, and I... And I, I want to be one of them, and I want to um, learn to coach, and I think it's really big out there. And he said, oh, wow, that's, that's great. You know, when, when are you going to do that? And I instantly, right away, told myself, no, I, that's not for me. I, I'll probably just move back to Denver where my parents live, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It's too expensive. Um, and I told myself instantly, I reverted, and I told myself that I wasn't worthy of my dreams. And I told myself, oh, no, that, that's for someone else. That's not for you. Why are you saying this? You're sounding crazy. Um, and, then, and then when this guy left, he left me a sheet of paper, um, and he left nothing on the table, and he totally, like, kind of disappeared. I didn't even see him leave. And he left four 20s on the table, which, if you want to wake up a poor college kid, <laughs> leave him $80. piece of paper that said, follow your dreams, Andrea, have fun in California. And that shocked me. That totally changed me in my tracks. I had never pursued a huge dream like that. And I was like, okay. So every, you know, week after that, I saw that. I had it in my waitressing pamphlet. And I kept, it kept reminding me of this dream I had. And I eventually went and pursued it and was like, took this leap of faith I might have never taken without a little encouragement. And that's when it all started. That's when it all started of me, you know, taking leaps of faith over and over and over and, and moving around and doing these things. And that freaked out my parents. My mom just couldn't believe it. But slowly, my mom started getting over this, getting on an airplane or spending money on travel or um, leaving work for a week and doing something for herself because she's very selfless. Um, and slowly, you know, you know, that first started, I guess, when she came out to California to make sure I was okay and ended up watching the 2013 regionals with my dad and my brothers and sisters and um the next big thing she did was watch me compete in grid in new york city in 2014 by herself and it was the first time she'd ever she's 56 years old the first time and she'd ever gotten on a plane by herself and she was terrified and honestly it was like i knew it was such a big deal because she was scared to get on the plane and um even leaving going back she knew she had to take some trains by herself because i had plans with my team and I couldn't help her take the trains going back to the airport from from Manhattan and she was scared like she was afraid and I'm like I'm seeing this very real fear in people's lives of taking this leap of 
this is scary. I don't like this. And it's like slowly she started understanding, hey, faith or, you know, like fear does not consume me and it doesn't control me. And the enemy will want me to think I'm not worth it or I'm not good enough or I can't overcome this. And she was able to just go, hey, shut up, okay? I can do this by myself. And I know it was scary for her. And I just, I love that I've seen that change in her. And the biggest thing to me was taking her completely out of her comfort zone. Um, I lived in Colorado at, at a time, and our gym was only five minutes away. And she told me I would, she would never do CrossFit. She would never do it. Um, and my mom is 56 years old, never been an athlete, never worked out. And she did CrossFit for a whole year. Wow. And she lost, like, 12 pounds or something. But it was so hard for her to get out of her zone and, like, do a CrossFit class in front of people when she'd never worked out. And she hated it. And I can't even believe she came to the first one. But the way that it started was she watched the class. And she watched this 300-pound woman, a girlfriend of ours called her name is Sherry. She watched her jump on the 10 pound, or a 10-pound plate, which is – two inches high for box jumps. The woman was jumping onto a two-inch platform doing box jumps while the rest of the class is doing box jumps. And my mom saw her do that and, and was like, I could do CrossFit. If that woman can do it, I could do that. And so I'm like, okay, mom, like, I'm going to teach one more class. Do you want to just watch again? And she's like, no, I think I'm going to do it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you, you crazy lady? Like, you're crazy. And so she took class and, you know, she got addicted, I guess, into just feeling good and knowing that she could do it. And um, it was amazing. It was amazing to see these transformations. But as a coach, we see that all the time in people, not just in our parents or our siblings or people we love. We see it in strangers and people we've never met. And then we get inspired by that. And that's uh, what inspires us as athletes to pursue and keep getting better because we see the progress in other people. So, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It is. That's that's really amazing. And so I think, you know, what I, I'm thinking about, right, when you said those two, those two are different situations. You know, for you, you were struggling with uh, taking the leap and feeling like you were worthy enough, right? And your mom was also you know, in a different situation. And for her, you know, doing something as simple as maybe getting on a plane was like super intense. You know what I mean? Something that like we can't relate to possibly, but there's two internal struggles going on here and two people kind of breaking through it. Would you say that a lot of the, you know, faith that, um, you know, you believe uh, you're able to kind of connect back to those two types of situations, right? Like talking about not being uh, worthy enough when we were talking about faith, but then connecting it back to a situation like, you know, that and, and feeling empowered enough to actually, you know, take action and do something like it, it, Am I on the right track there? Mm. Yeah, you totally are. I mean, I, I, you've made a connection that I've never even made, and I'm like, yeah, you're blowing my mind right now. Yeah, <laughs> it I, is. It's like um, thinking you're not worthy. Like that. Okay, like this. This is actually like my favorite way to, I guess, just even you know, throw another idea in there. And it's like this is a valued by God. You are so valued, and the so is not in there just to throw in an extra word that we don't need. In scripture, it says, God so loved the world that he gave our, his only son to die and to save our lives and to save us and to give relationship to him. He so loved the world. And it's so hard for us to believe that we are so valued. And, and I think if we believe that, our, lim- our, our, our priorities and our, and, our, and our limitations are, they just poof. They just, they just unfold, and, and we, our limits will just come off, and, like, it's the sky is the limit. 
is actually um, a truth that we begin to accept. And so, yeah, I guess those are two different places someone can come from. And I think fear holds people back far more often than it should. And, you know, I can just imagine that how freeing it would be to be one of those people that finds um, victory in that. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that that's a connection that like, you can control that, you know, you can make whatever connection you want, you can apply, you can figure out these little ways to apply that faith or that belief in something or someone to each and every situation, uh, and each and every struggle. It's just a matter of, I guess, practicing and being able to develop that lens, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay, so the other thing that I heard you talk about on the Beyond the Barbell podcast, which I would love for you to dig into, was the difference between inspiration and motivation. Tell me like a little bit Mm. about the two there, because I feel like they're both uh, amazing qualities and skills to possess, right? Like who doesn't want to motivate somebody else or inspire somebody else Uh, that can be used for so many different types of good. So tell me a little bit about the difference between inspiration and motivation. Um, I have to give credit to where I heard this, and it's from Steph Hammerin. She's, um, she uses a wheelchair. Um, she's, uh, she's an athlete that was at Wadapalooza last year, and she organized all these, um, all these athletes that were uh, um, differently able, is the way that she puts it, um, instead of saying disabled. Um, and uh, they all have some kind of limitation, right, or um, it, whether, whether they're without a limb or in a wheelchair or something like that, born a different way, been in an accident, and, um, and they got to compete at Wadapalooza in this awesome division that tons of people were watching and cheering them on for. And she organized all that, and I went to one of her workshops, her and I are good friends, and um, she just overcame cancer, praise God. Wow. So that's an amazing thing for her that yeah. she's overcome so many things. But then all, all, on top of all these things, she got cancer last year and it went through many sessions of chemo and just now she's done with it and kicked it. So, um, yeah, so praise, praise that for her. But so she actually was the first one that told me that, that there was, there's a difference between inspiring people and motivating people. And you can be in inspiration on the internet very easily by posting something or posting pictures of yourself and making it all about your brand or who you are, or who, where you've come from or your story. Um, you can't inspire people and people go, wow, like that's, that's a cool story. That motivates, that, that inspires me to, you know, see a different insight or a different perspective. I want to follow this person. Um, but I believe the difference between inspiring and motivating people is just, getting them to get off the couch and move. Like, I want to move you to do something. I don't want you to be inspired and go, wow, my day feels a little more grateful, the end. Like, I want you to get up and go do a workout and, and define yourself and find a purpose. And I want you to build your best possible life that you can have um, based on what you are given and the gifts that you have and um, your outlooks on the world. And I want you to go and, and have the best life you can be you can have. And so um, being able to motivate people and just and just give them an avenue to change their lives and, and people around them. I believe that we're very we're very we have we're very responsible for the community that we're put in. And so it would be wrong of me to just try to inspire people on the internet and not interact with where I've been placed in this world. And in the reality of it is I've been placed in Astoria, New York right here in my area on this certain street and on this certain stop of the subway, and I need to proactively live out 
um, whether it's my faith or what I believe in, in this area and strengthen people. That's what I've put, put in here to do. And if I don't go out and do that, then I'm actually not fulfilling my purpose of living here in this community. And so I believe that every single one of us take care of the community we're in and strengthen these people, the whole world will be a better place. And so I want people to be motivated to go do that. Yeah, I, I really liked what you said about, um, you know, getting people to move in a way that makes them kind of take action. That's kind of the theme behind uh, this podcast as well mm. is like, I just, I want, I don't want to, you know, shove things down people's throats. I want to plant a seed and I want to spark curiosity in a way that uh, moves them enough to take action. And that action, like I can't control what that is, right? Because it's going to be different for everybody depending on what problem and what issue is most relevant to them at that moment. So like they might not connect with the message the same way that I'm uh, trying to get them to, but that's totally fine. And I think when you're able to be able to let go of that expectation and just kind of uh, give give your message without any expectation, um, y you don't you never know what could happen. You know, it it could connect with somebody that could lead them uh, to all sorts of things. I mean, when you think about like somebody who motivated you or inspired you, you know, a couple words or a couple sentences, you know, like like that uh, situation. Um, you know, with, uh, you know, following your dreams and, and, and uh, good luck with moving to California, like those couple words and couple sentences, like moved you enough to actually do that. You know what I mean? So uh, you mm. never know how people are going to perceive it, that what you can control is just, uh, you know, being confident and, and uh, getting your message out there without any expectation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a a saying that's like, I mean, we've gone through many parables and sayings and metaphors, I guess, which is kind of cool. I love that. Um, but without action, faith is dead. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard that before, and it's really, wow, okay, I get it. And what it shows me is that it reminds me of, like, you know how, like, when there's, like, a lineage of, like, a family tree and there's the man, like, who passes on its last name? Well, it reminds me of my brother because um, my dad's last name is Ager. And my dad um, was the only boy out of, uh, out of a family with five sisters. And so he was the only boy. And so his dad was German, but his mom was Mexican or Spanish. And so I have a little bit of Spanish in me, and I have a little German in me. But my dad passed on, you know, his last name to us, girls and, and, and guys. Um, and so I have a family full of girls with one boy. And I have a bunch of brothers and sisters, you know, but my brother, who's the youngest, is the only one with our last name. And um, I probably will get married this year. I hope so. I am not engaged, but <laughs> my last name I'll, I'll eventually use, you know, as a right. female. And I, you know, it's, I've had a lot of identity as an athlete with my last name. Like, Agerbaum might as well be my middle name. For <laughs> people, like, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and um, like, people think that is my name sometimes. And um, so what if, what if when I get married, you know, I, I lose that. I will. And um, so my brother has kind of decided he doesn't really know if he wants to get married. And he doesn't want to have kids, but he's just kind of going through this phase where he's 22. And he's like, I don't know if that's for me, you know. And so for me, I'm like, man, that's kind of sad because, you know, he's not living on the last name thing, um, and that, that last name will end um, at this point. And, you know, if he decides that, it's obviously totally fine with us, but it is sad in a way that that's ending, that lineage, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and I guess I just reminds me of faith, and, and if we are, if we take in and absorb all these positive um, motivations and inspirations and faith talk or whatever it is, but we just end here, and we never spread it on with anyone else, then we are taking all of that in, and what a 
what a shame it is or how sad it is that it could just end and that it wouldn't go on and get passed on to anyone else and then that it would just not take any more action and it would just, you would die with it. It would just, when you die, it dies. And I think that's so, like, almost like, not the way it's supposed to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the point of going to church on Sundays or, or going to a mosque or a, a temple and receiving all this wisdom and knowledge and faith and then never never taking it past that and sharing it or spreading it? And I look at all the people that have shared their faith, which actually were missionaries in my life and helped me grow, and if they had never shared, I would have never had this. I would have never come upon this in my life either and how beautiful it is that it, it can be passed through generation almost by word of mouth or experience and shared and so I'm like yeah like it should keep going you know how can we do our best to, to make sure this keeps going and affecting more people so yeah I mean totally what you're saying I, I agree awesome um, so alright let's say that you are a billionaire okay you have a couple billion dollars <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so far from what I am <laughs> And uh, you have a staff of 40 people, okay? And these 40 people, uh, they are top thinkers and top performers in whatever craft or whatever role it is that you're recruiting them for. And so if you could use that, a couple billion dollars and a staff of 40 elite performers, uh, what would you do with that? What would you want to use that for? Um, I don't know. <laughs> um. You mean like how much money would I give them or what would I do with that money? No, what, what would um, you do with the money? So, I mean, you know, I want to leave this super open-ended because I like hearing everybody's answers. But, um, you know, it might just yeah. be kind of enhancing whatever you're already doing right now. That's totally fine too. But what comes up for you when you think that? Like, okay, if I had all this access to people and money um, and I could use this to spread a message or a truth, what would it be? Um. I believe in CrossFit. I believe in what they're doing. I believe the mission that they have, which is making the whole world more healthy. And I think that it's very strong. I would probably pour that into affiliates or CrossFit gyms or that industry because I do believe we have a ton of professionals that are helping people move the way they do and how beautiful that is and how much more we need of that in the world because we want people to stop suffering from um, lung disease and um, cardiovascular heart disease and um, illnesses that, that result from, you know, eating too much sugar and being unhealthy and living sedentary lives where they never move. All of that, the fight against that is so strong. Um, but I also would put it somehow into into faith. And um, FaithRx is a nonprofit organization, and I know that they do raise money all the time to fund what they do and their manpower and their resources. And um, if I would say, like, yeah, I would give it to them, I'd be like, yeah, it's not just one organization. I believe that they're helping so many people and organizations grow. Um, the, the story of Nehemiah is the one that comes into my mind. And he was taken away from his city, and he was working for a king. And then that king... He knew he was almost like a slave. His his job would be working for this king, and he wanted to leave because he heard that his city was struggling and they were burdened, and that they were they were being killed. There was a genocide. They were being attacked. They were all these bad things were happening. And what he wanted to do, he wanted to leave, go back to that city to protect them. But he knew if he left, he'd just get shot in the back. Like he knew that if he just ran away, that it would never work out for him. And so he had to think and pray about it and decide and use discernment of what was best for that decision. How is he going to do it? And so he thought and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed over for so long. And what he felt was a burden in his heart. He felt a burden for these people. And it made him ceaselessly 
pray and, and, and try to change this. And he didn't know what to do. And so finally it led him to asking the king to, if he could go. And the king shockingly said, yes, you can go. And so he left and had this huge trek back to his city. And what he did was he, he had each person build a wall in front of their house which created a city full of a ball, a ball, a wall all the way around mm-hmm. to their, their city. And it protected them from the outside. And so each person took a part and did their part and did their part. And they built, you know, this, all these buildings or whatever around it. And if each person had not taken that action, bad guys could have come in. And it would have made it so that they weren't protected, and it would have made it so that it didn't, they didn't work together as a community. And I believe what FaithRx is doing is that they're building um, this, 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 what, they're taking care of their own responsibilities right in front of their house. You know, and I believe the whole world of faith, if we all take care of our own backyard and where we live and where our community is, this whole thing will be protected. And I do feel burdened for the people in the CrossFit community that worship something that will not last. When they worship, they make CrossFit into their God. They make CrossFit into their everything. They make CrossFit into something that the only thing they care about, and they worship the Rich Fronings and the Camille of Long Residence that they, that they want to be like. And, um, and, and CrossFit will let us down. It has let me down many times. My body has let me down. It's very easy to go into CrossFit gym and feel humbled and feel weak and feel like you're not enough. And um, I want to show people that there is something worth worshiping and that it's far beyond anything they could ever even find in a CrossFit gym. And I'm burdened for, you know, our community and, and where their heart is. And um, I want to be able to just speak truth into their lives and impact them. And so, I mean, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, of course. That is amazing. Um, is there... Because I truly, truly believe in it. What? Sorry, we, we we cut out a little bit there. Um, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I would give it to Therex. I believe that putting money and putting time and energy into movement and faith is important. And I believe that, you know, both are um, going to set people up for an awesome lifestyle to really succeed a lot in the health area of their life and, you know, every area outside of their life. And um, I really just um, I believe in it. I feel burdened for our friends in our community um, I know that Becky is the one that set that image in my heart. She went into the CrossFit Games in 2011, and she was, you know, one of the, I'd say, leaders in our sport at that time, competing as an individual. And she went to the tennis stadium, and she was in awe of all the people just cheering on this last heat of individual women at the CrossFit Games. They were so excited, and they were so had so much energy and passion. And she looked around at all these people in the tennis stadium. She thought, "Oh my gosh, how amazing would it be if all these people worshipped Christ, worshipped God, worshipped and praised the God who created them? How amazing would it be if they had the opportunity to love God the way that we know God loves us?" And she thought, "Oh my gosh, I have to do something about this. I have to." And it was actually the day after that that she decided, you know what, I'm going to make uh, a New Testament Bible. I'm going to make a, a tool where people can learn more about God and what he says um, in the Bible as, as truth. And so she put CrossFit images in there, and she arranged testimonies 
from CrossFit athletes like Graham Holmberg and Dan Bailey and Rich Fleming and tons of other CrossFit Games athletes at the time. And she was trying to put together this New Testament Bible, and she was going to give it out at the Games, and she thought that was going to be the very first part of a ministry in CrossFit, and that's when Faith Rex began. But when she thought, okay, I'm going to go do this, she didn't think, I needed to do this right now. She didn't think, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. She thought, okay, you know, eventually we'll put this thing together. It's going to be great. I'm inspired. I'm going to do it. No, God put this on her heart, and she didn't sleep for two weeks after she had this thought. God shook her world and said, you are not having sleep until you put this together and change the cross the community for the world, for God. And so she had to put this together, had an urgency behind her because she wanted to sleep. She was convicted in her heart that this is what she should do. And so she put this together. It took her months. She was finally, as she got it rolling, got it rolling, was able to sleep and feel a little bit of um, peace in her life. Um, but then that, you know, from getting out the Bibles at the CrossFit Games in 2013, they gave out 1,500 Bibles. Um, and then after that, they started the local ministries. Um, the local ministries span all over the world, which is like taking a CrossFit gym, hanging out in a CrossFit gym, doing a workout, and then really just kind of having a faith talk and, you know, supporting people in their faith, that she combined those things. And um, me and my boyfriend run a local ministry in New York, and obviously we do it in volunteer. We do it for free. Um, and uh, it's been amazing how that has affected the people at our gym that want to grow in their faith, and they're given an avenue to do that. Um, but mostly it's given us this tight friendship that these friendships that we love and has made our lives so much better through. And it all started with Becky being convicted by God to move and to do something and to have a burden for our community and to feel a necessity of building the wall in front of her platform to create this big community for God. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's what I would do with a billion dollars. Wow. That <laughs> I is... would put it into this ministry. Yeah, no, you worded that um, really well. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, so the book that you are talking about that she put together, was this um, was this kind of like she uh, like gathered the, you know, certain themes and certain messages and uh, kind of wrote it in her own words? Or like how exactly um, did she put together that book? What did it consist of? So... Well, I know that the viewers can't see this, but um, so it's a it's a very small, like unintimidating New Testament Bible. Uh-huh. So it's basically a part of the Bible that's after um, when Jesus Christ came to Earth. And so, although there's Old Testament and New Testament, what I like about this is it's very short, right? It's very small. It's very unintimidating. You're not handing someone a ten pound item. Right. Page is very easy for people to like and trust it because it has rich coding on it. Yeah. And I'm flipping through this book as we speak, but uh, the opposite page of his picture is his story and how he um, has been in his faith and what it has done for his life. And then, you know, you go down and there's Chris Beeler and um, Gino Trinidad and leaders in our sport and their stories. And um, there's one story that really stuck out to me. And I actually, um, the girl actually was never even an athlete in CrossFit. She she was a uh, media broadcaster for the CrossFit Games. Um, and uh, her story basically was on there, and I went in and I read all the stories, too. And um, so in the mix of, you know, just pages where it just has, you know, God's Word, 
in here, like Bible pages, it has people's testimonies. And I think it's so powerful when you hear people's testimonies, what they've been through. And there was a girl in here that I was like, I mean, I just thought it was so amazing, but she was adopted um, when she was young and how her life has changed through that. And then she kind of correlated it and paralleled it to her being a feeling adopted by the church and her feeling at one age how she was meant to be at this certain church and all these connections that came that were so you know, coincidences stacked up, stacked up, stacked up, and she felt like she was adopted into the family of God. Um, and I was just blown away. I thought it was so amazing. But they hand these out for free at every CrossFit Games and regionals and um, regional event. We always have Faith Rex booths that are at a lot of big competitions just to kind of support people and um, just get to know them and mm-hmm. uh, meet them where they're at. And so, yeah, that's that's what the, that's what it is. Is it's just a New Testament Bible that they give out and. Um, anyone can have one, anyone ever has access to it, but it's a really non-threatening way to go, hey, you want this? Have it. You know, it's not like, oh, you have to have this certain, you know, religion or whatever. It's just like, okay, you know, here you go. So that's what she made. Yeah, no, that that's that's kind of what I was wondering, and that is, uh, that's exactly kind of what we've been talking about, is being able to lead by example, and then being able to share those types of stories, because somebody, it's not like uh, a lot of things that maybe are in that book are these new concepts that we've never heard of before it's these things we've been hearing about but we're now just hearing about it in a different way and through a different lens and maybe it might resonate with somebody maybe it might strike a chord and maybe uh, help somebody think about something uh, a, a little bit differently and uh, so I think that is that is really cool that she was able to put that put that together yeah that was cool yeah that was a part of it all yeah, is there is there something you feel like you don't get asked enough about? Something you wish maybe people would ask you more? Um, oh, wow, that's a really good question. I mean, I feel a little bit bad because I have, like, totally um, taken over the podcast and talking about faith, and I didn't really know if that was what the purpose of this podcast was. No, it... It, um, it obviously... <laughs> it means a lot to me, so I'm glad that you asked, and yeah. I appreciate just being able to share... Um, but I know that, you know, if if people are CrossFitters or, you know, into fitness or I'm trying to figure out why they maybe wanted to listen today and, and what brought them to turning it on. And mm-hmm. um, I would just say something that people don't ask enough about is like, okay, um, as an athlete, um, you know, I have a lot of hopes and dreams and desires for the sport that I'm in. And um, I was, I have a certain body type where I'd have, I've had a lot of adversities in our sport because I'm really tall and fine and I'm, I'm naturally pretty skinny and kind of an endurance athlete. And so for me, the struggle has always been gaining enough weight to lift heavy and um, being able to maintain that, date, that weight while exercising the amount I need to. And I guess um, people see the people at the top of our sport and they think, wow, that person's genetics are so good, or that person, you know, it was so easy for them to get to the top, and that person, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure what they think, but I would just want people to know that the the, the journey of an athlete is never easy, and even the people that are perfectly built for our sport have a story of adversity and trials and things that happened to them that were so hard, and I just, I love, like, making keep that real for people because what they see is, oh, they did really well in this workout or they won this workout at the CrossFit Games or they won this workout at, um, you know, at regionals. And actually every regional that I've ever competed in by myself individually, I've won a workout, every regionals. And that's so cool because I get to, 
you know, at some point, I've gotten to be like, hey, I'm specialized in this area. In 2015, it was, um, it was uh, Tommy B, and it was a workout with 27 rope climbs and Uh, I, and when paired together, I was able to really excel. But what comes along with that is a lot of workouts I'm not built for and a lot of workouts where I don't shine and a lot of workouts where I'm like, well, I hope my best is good enough today because I'm probably not going to get top 10 here. Um, and, a lot, you know, I would say the times where we get to shine and the times where we look the best or are highlighted is not the common and it's not the everyday those are special and can be celebrated because there's so much, um, you know, grind that goes into each training day. And those training days are really focused towards our weaknesses, and it takes a lot of humbling. And so I would just remind people that you see these successful athletes and whoever you look up to, you see them being successful, and you think, oh, PR after PR after PR, all of a sudden they were good enough. And it really isn't that at all. It's going backwards or having an injury or stumbling and falling because of some something that held them back or starting over because of, um, you know, something that happened in their life. And all that's different between them and anyone else usually is just the fact that they didn't give up and that they kept going after their dreams and desires and goals. And although we see them as the top, they see themselves as the middle of the road, the journey. Everyone has their own reality, and they are actually going, man, I want and desire so much more, but I'm just not there yet. And even though we see them as like, oh, they're it. They probably feel so fulfilled and happy. They're not there feeling like they're there yet. So just to kind of remind them that there's always some, like more to be desired in life and um, everybody goes through adversity. It's just how you deal with it. That's amazing. Um, okay, so what should a coach or athlete take away from this podcast? You know, how, um, how can they make themselves better today by listening to this? A coach or an athlete... Um, it would be to share and spread your knowledge no matter what you learn. To grow who you are and in the midst of that, help other people grow in who they are so that you can bring your community with you and serve exactly where you're at. And to be able to serve without any expectation of getting back anything or trading you know, some knowledge for something else or to use someone to help you, but just serving and loving and giving um, without thinking I need to be compensated for, for this that I'm giving, you know. And so um, kind of going, you know, how can you be a positive influence um, in your family, in your relationship, in your career, in your job? And not everybody has to be a CrossFit Games athlete or an Instagram inspiration. We each have our own reality and our own pools of people we can affect and just to do your very best and to optimize that. That's awesome. So how can we support you? Where can we find you? Where can we point people to? Um, yeah, where can we where can we point people to? Okay, so if you type in Andrea Ager into YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel. It's, it's pretty easy to find. I have recently revamped that. Um, I've been trying to learn more about marketing and growing and my, um, my business knowledge and building a brand, and that's taken a lot of Honestly, humble, like humility to kind of go, hey, I actually don't know anything about business and marketing, and I'm learning and growing a lot in the last three or four months, and my friend is leading me through, and he, his, his uh, trade, his, his specialty is he's a videographer, um, but he's helped me revamp my website, he's helped me develop a new model for my website, or for my Agerbomb seminars, and my workshops that I teach locally in New York City, and so 
he's um, helped me get like a bigger platform and, and kind of revamped my YouTube. My YouTube was super lame before. I just had old videos of me <laughs> training off my iPhone. And now I have really high quality 10 minute long, 15 minute long videos that are really fun to watch on there. So if you want to learn more about me and what it's like to be in my day to day life, um, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, um, follow that. Also, you can go to my website where there's lots of information and podcasts on there. And it's www.andreager.com. Um, it's A-N-D-R-E-A-A-G-E-R.com. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Ager underscore bomb. Um, and Twitter and, and Facebook and things like that. So if you want to stay connected, I want to stay connected with you. Please subscribe to my YouTube, and, that, and that's where you can find me. <laughs> awesome, and I will get all of that linked up in the show notes. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, being generous with your time and, uh, you know, getting deep. You know, I feel like we had a pretty awesome conversation today. It wasn't really, it wasn't like an interview. It was just a conversation, and I feel like we touched on so many different things and, and gave people uh, a lot to think mm -hmm. about. Thank you. It's been an honor. And I know that it's been actually like an hour at least. So thanks for letting me just freaking jab and jab and jab and just keep talking. Cause I Absolutely. And we uh, will have to have you on uh, at some point and maybe we can actually uh, like a lot of those responses and those messages and those situations that you were mentioning. I think it would be really cool to go through some of that and be like, like just take mm. a look at all the different examples and I guess what answers you would give and, and what advice you would give to those people. I think that would be really cool. I let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I know you're probably driving right now. You're probably eating, cooking, working out. You're doing something else. But make sure you head over to theairbornemind.com. Check out some of the free coaching videos, warm-ups, guides, checklists, all the things that you can use to make the best use out of your training time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys and it would really help me out so I can continue creating awesome stuff for you. And remember, the greatest compliment you can give is by sharing it with somebody else who might enjoy it or somewhere on the web. So once again, thank you so much for being a listener and supporting the show. Until next time.